Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. I really appreciate all of you praying for my mom. we have not said anything in a service. It was an oversight on, on my part Sunday night, but uh, we have talked with individuals, and, of course, uh, a lot of people have been praying. It's on a prayer chain. Uh, the doctors found four lumps in my mother's breast, and they removed those, and they were cancerous. And they uh, ran extensive tests on her today, and... Uh, as far as I know, they're still planning on having surgery uh, next Wednesday. Uh, she is really in a dilemma. The doctors are wanting her to take chemotherapy, and she's not wanting to do this. I think you can understand why. My dad had cancer, and he had a very poor heart, and then had a lung condition. The doctors told my dad before he took it, said, now, here are some of the symptoms uh, or side effects, maybe I should say, from chemo. And he went through all of it. One was pneumonia. And, of course, the other is uh, possible heart failure. Well, my dad had punctured a lung some time ago in an accident. He fell from a ladder. But uh, one of the first things that happened to him when he started taking the chemotherapy was that he caught pneumonia and struggled. And then after that, and them giving him more, well, then he had heart failure that led to his death. And, of course, she's real concerned about this. My mom had a stroke some time back. And then, of course, she's diabetic. And uh, I wish that you would pray. Uh, Also, conference is coming up. And, of course, it's here in Wisconsin. We are the host district. And, of course, me being superintendent of the district, I have a good number of responsibilities. And I just don't really know. Um, My mom has not asked me to come down for her surgery, which will be the day before conference starts. But uh, uh, she has asked me. You know what I'm saying. And you can just tell the way she talks that... uh, She's asking me. She said, well, I know that you have conference and a lot of important things. You know, moms know how to make you feel good about things like that. (laughs) So I'm just, yeah, yeah, well, well. We really really won't know uh, what we need to know until Monday. And I'm supposed to be in Milwaukee to start my meetings at 1 o'clock on Monday. So I really don't know what I'm going to do. We have a large Sunday school banquet Tuesday night, and I'm the speaker at the Sunday school banquet. And then we have a large banquet Wednesday night. Uh, all of these are following our fast days, by the way. <laughs> a whole missions banquet. Our church placed in the top 20 as far as giving is concerned. Our district last year was number sixth in the nation. And our church was number five. This year, I think we're number 13 in the nation as far as Christmas for Christ giving is concerned. Our district, I think, is number seven or eight. So I'm supposed to be there. But I only have one mom, and I love her dearly. I mean, I love her dearly. And uh, it's not a matter of, of what's important at this time. Everything that I'm involved in Next week's going to be important, but it's uh, the fact that she's my mom and I love her and I would like to be by her. I, I just, I don't know how, hardly how to handle this. Just wish that you would pray that God would uh, totally heal her. I mean, not for my sake, uh, but uh, I just certainly want my mom to be in good health since she was here. Uh, She's lost quite a bit of weight. She's been on a diet. Uh, She's been driving her car all over the place. She even has a car phone. 
And, uh, you know, she's stepped up in the world now, so. <laughs> but uh, then this came up. But let's just believe that, that uh, God will continually keep his hand upon her and totally heal her. They tested her today, tested her blood and bone marrow uh, to find out if she had cancer cells and other parts of her body, of which uh, the preliminary tests were uh, negative, so she, she does not. We thank the Lord for that. Uh, we'll know more about it come Monday. Praise God. I appreciate everybody for coming out to the prayer meeting or those that came out to the prayer meeting last night. We just had a great time. We didn't have a lot of people here, but we did have a good number of people. I really do appreciate the travail that I uh, experienced here in the house of God. Lately, I have really enjoyed the presence of the Lord. I've been getting up in the middle of the night and praying. Uh, I haven't been doing that by choice. It's just same, seemingly the Lord's been waking me up. And, and last night I've been going outside and praying. The weather's been great. And, uh, of course, if you, if you haven't recognized, uh, there's been a full moon. I think the full moon was the 19th. So uh, everything has just been so gorgeous. So last night I got up, I think it was... 2.15 or 2.30 and went outside and prayed for a while and just walk up and down the sidewalk and sit on the porch and pray and seek the Lord and it's just been so very, very profitable. I told Brother Blake that I would talk about uh, the, the importance of home devotions. Uh <clears throat> I'm sorry to say that that we have so many people in so many classrooms that that uh, perhaps the the real uh, value of the lesson would not be received. So what I'm going to do, Brother Blake, I'm just going to talk about prayer. We have a parenting group going on, stewardship, uh, young uh, youth class, uh, children's church. I would like to throw in, though, that uh, it is so important to teach your children, uh, and you teach in other ways other than just instructing. I, my calendar, I've got a calendar that someone gave to me. It's just been so valuable to me. And it, you flip the dates over and over, uh, one of these, and it always has a saying. And the saying today is that, that teaching is a very difficult job because you teach by kindness, by watching, by warning, by precept, by praise, but most importantly, by example. And I would just like to say to, to all the parents who are here, if you have children, that the best way you can teach your child uh, to love God is to take the child to the altar and pray with the child. It, it is so very meaningful. I see parents down here praying with their children. I, it touches my heart. See those little ones. Brother Whitkus was here, and, you know, he's just so funny and so corny and so hilarious. And yet, at the same time, he comes down with such a great point. Brother Whitkus tells a whole lot of things that he tells for the sake of adults. Uh, a lot of things go over the heads of the kids. You probably recognize that. But he does such a great job. And then to see their little hearts, uh, their countenance changes from laughter to weeping in the presence of God. Seeing Sunday school teachers and parents alike, altar workers that, uh, usually praying with adults down here with these little children, praying and seeking God. It's just so, so important. I want to speak on the subject prayer, the language of the soul. I'll not have you to stand. We're just going to be going through a few scriptures with you and then uh, a few uh, 
statements about, about prayer. The reason why I call it the language of the soul is because I do not believe that you can pray, uh, that is, communicate with God, only with your lips. I think it's impossible. Now, Jesus talked about praise or worship in Matthew 15. Jesus said, Ye hypocrites, Matthew 15, 7, well did Isaiah, or Isaiah prophesy to you, saying, and this is taken from Isaiah 29, 13, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain... They do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And it's easy to understand how they got off base. It's because they did not have true worship. See, the time will come, Jesus said, that they must worship me in spirit and in truth. And you really cannot pray or worship only with your mouth. You cannot do that. It has to come from deep down inside of the soul. Turn to Psalm 119, and we want to read verse 175. We'll start in, in verse uh, 174. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. Notice he talks about the soul praising thee. The soul seems to be, according to Scripture, that important part of the inner man that we call the seat of the emotions. Jesus, when he was faced with death on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, he said, now my soul is troubled within me. The seat of the emotions. You know, <clears throat> we get our minds so much on the external and feeding the outer man. Uh, last Sunday night after church, Brother Whitkus, he's just such a fun-loving guy. And we had mentioned something about coming, him coming down to the house and eating pizza and homemade ice cream. Uh, Brother Charlie picked up a homemade ice cream freezer at a rummage sale for $3. I'm telling you, it was heaven sent. My, <clears throat> brand new in the box. I don't know how much it would cost. It was from Sears, and that makes it even better, you know. But uh, <clears throat> brand new in the box, and... Uh, he wanted to make homemade ice cream, and Brother Whitkus and I both felt that this was the perfect will of God <laughs> for <clears throat> after service. So uh, Sister Grant called Pizza Hut, and we got, uh, what was it, pan-style pan pizza? They make uh, a crust over there at Pizza Hut. It's almost like buttered toast or something. It <clears throat> I thought several times in the van I heard something flapping and, and smacking, and I know it was my guardian angel filled with envy, wishing he were a human being. Ah, it was just a joke. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, my wife ordered two large pizzas, and Charlie made five quarts of homemade ice cream. Now, there's just four of us. So we have a we have a half of a pizza a piece and and better than a quart of ice cream a piece. Now <clears throat> we had pizza left <laughs> and we had some ice cream left and I wish I would have invited you. At least one of you. <laughs> Not all of you. No, it was just great. I'm telling you, 
Uh, we just had ourselves a great time. And we had laughed in church listening to Brother Wittkus, but he's a very entertaining type person. Actually, Brother Wittkus is, is very quiet, but, but he's funny. And uh, so we sat around and laughed till I don't know, till we didn't have any more laughs left. And then he went home. It's so good to be able to have that kind of fellowship. But you have to understand that you can't really feed your soul on pizza and homemade ice cream. You can't feed your soul on it. You can't. And so as a result, you, you need the presence of God that the, the spirit and soul of man feeds off his communication with his God, his maker. And, and you need that as much as you need five quarts of ice cream and pan-style pizza from Pizza Hut. You, you've got to have it. You just can't feed the soul of man on what you feed the body with. And, and, and another thing, too, you, the, the soul has to be entertained, just like you seek entertainment sometimes for the physical man. And I'm not against entertainment, as long as it's good, clean, wholesome entertainment. Nobody enjoys uh, having fun more than I do. I just really enjoy having fun. But on the other hand, when we are in the house of God or you're in the presence of God, you have to understand that the soul is entertained. And the psalmist put it like this in Psalm 42. He said, deep calleth to deep. And basically, there is something that is much deeper than this shallow, frivolous life that we're involved in. And I call it shallow and frivolous uh, solely from the standpoint of, of the experiences that we have in life sometimes that, that, that are meaningless. I guess all experiences have a purpose and a meaning, but, but they're, they're nothing like those moments when we are in the presence of God, in the presence of God. Psalm 34, let's turn there and read a scripture. Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Uh, <clears throat> I'd say that if I went into most of your homes, I'd find something to eat. There'd be something there. And every now and then, things get pretty slim at our house. And uh, Sister Grant just recently she called Charlie and I together and said, Look, we've we got too many leftovers. We're eating leftovers. Now, she claimed she wanted to clean out the refrigerator. I think otherwise, but nevertheless, it was a good idea. So <clears throat> we had leftovers. But after we had leftovers, you could still go and find a piece of bread here, some butter up there. If you want to make toast, some, some jelly some popcorn that you could put in the microwave, some pickles. I don't know if all this would make a nice meal or not, but nevertheless, there <clears throat> was something there. There's something there. Now, I said all that to say this, that, that uh, most people, they always make provisions for the flesh. There's always something there that they can feed on. Isn't it also true that you need to continually have praise in your mouth for your God? But that you need this. It, it's necessary. It has to be this way. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? This is quoted, a portion of this is quoted in Luke, the first chapter. And I want to read this. It has to do with Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke 1, 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. So we, we need true worship. 
and true prayer. And prayer is the language of the soul. If you're praying only with your lips, it's like worshiping only with your body. Now, I, I remember uh, some time ago, and this, this has probably been 15 or 20 years ago, I remember when Oral Roberts changed affiliation from the Pentecostal Holiness Church to the United Methodist Church. Maybe some of you remember that. Uh, I followed it very closely in the paper. I was very much concerned about this. But we were in East Texas visiting with my father-in-law and mother-in-law. And we had just, I think we'd just come in. We'd been on the, tr on the road for many hours. And I think I had gone to bed already. And uh, my father-in-law or mother-in-law or someone, uh, I was sent for and I came out of the bedroom. And they were watching Oral Roberts. And what had happened was, I, I, well, let me back up a little bit. What made me real concerned about this was that uh, Oral Roberts University in Life Magazine, that's before they stopped publishing Life Magazine for that period of time, sometime back, they had a before and an after, and they showed the college and they showed the, the ladies and how they were dressed. The, the ladies going to college were very modest. Uh, they... Uh, were not gaudy in their appearance. Uh, uh, then the article went on to state that Oral Roberts had called them in and said, look, we are uh, now in the 60s or whatever it was, or 70s. Uh, this is a modern world. Times have changed. We want you girls to cut your hair. We want you to put makeup on. We want you to put jewelry on. We want you to look very fashionable. Uh, he even set up some counseling classes for some that were obese so they'd lose weight. And uh, we want to make an impression on our society. Well, I had read that, so I was very much interested in what they had to say. So they uh, asked me to come in the living room, and, and they wanted me to pass judgment on what was taking place. So here's Oral Roberts, and he's conducting the service because they have a lot of music in the background. And then they go into choreographic dancing. Now, you, you understand what I'm talking about. That's where, you know, like you'd see on the Lawrence Welk, Lawrence Welk show or some of these other, I don't think I said that right after all, did I? But Did I? So every now and then you'll say something wrong and you say it again, it doesn't sound right. But, uh, but uh, what happened was that they, were, they had partners, they were, you know, they were all, everybody was swaying one way and one way and kicking up a heel here and kicking up a heel there and throwing up a hand here. Everybody was together and they got partners and they danced around the building and, and such. And then they were quoting scriptures and placing it on the screen. You know, they, they, they had the excerpts from the scriptures and it was, had to do with dancing. And uh, they, they said, what, what do you think about that? Well, my father-in-law had seen people uh, divinely healed on the, uh, the Oral Roberts uh, in some of his crusades. And of course, they were on TV. And he had seen people dance in the Spirit. And he said, boy, they, they sure changed this. And it was purely entertainment. That's all it was. Now, I said all that to say this, that, that when you lose a touch of God, it's real easy to resort to something that's physical and only physical. And, and, and yet it can become very satisfying to a point. I say to a point. But it does not meet the needs of man. Of course, you know I've taught this all along that I believe in dancing in the Spirit. I don't believe in getting partners in dancing. I think your partner should be Jesus and, and you should dance with Him. But the choreographic stuff, you know, that's just, that's, that's part of the world. That's the way the world dances. You follow what I'm saying? And it may meet the needs of the flesh, but it will never meet the needs of the Spirit because there is deep communication that you have with God that is separate and apart from any living human being. It, it just has to be that way. It has to be that way. Uh, we have, in the United States, we have... A department that sets standards and such, uh, Department of Standards, Weights, and Measures. Uh, you know, we say a pound is 16 ounces, a, a foot is 12 inches, uh, uh, so forth and so on. Uh, you know, 
An hour is 60 minutes. A minute is 60 seconds. A day is 24 hours. And there has to be a, a way in which things are measured. And so these, our government officially keeps this. Uh, occasionally you'll find a sticker on a gas pump that says this pump has been government inspected. Now, basically what they're saying is that when it rolls around to one gallon, somebody is taking the time to roll it around to one gallon, take the amount of gasoline that's put in the, in the container and make sure that it's exactly one gallon. That's, that's the, the purpose of, of this particular department because after a while, uh, you can just get so far off base uh, prayer seems to be the divine standard by which things are measured and things are gauged. Now, let me just further explain this. All values are established by a close relationship with God according to the Scripture. All values. The big thing now has to do in the world has to do with what's right and what's wrong and who can determine this? Who should determine this? I just listened to just a little segment of a talk show on the radio today, and they were talking about abortion. They said, well, the reason why that we can't solve the abortion issues is because we do not recognize anymore in America any particular authority that tells us what life really is, where its origin is. So... One judge says this, another judge says this, a politician says this, religious leader says this. So we have nothing to gauge life by. That was quite a profound statement. Uh, and, and I think probably if we could come to some conclusion, we, we might be able to settle the issue. But quite frankly, uh, moral values are being set now by federal judges and by politicians and, and not by pastors who are preaching and teaching the word of the Lord. That's, that's a big problem that we have. But all values are established by close relationship with God. In other words, the way you interpret Scripture, the way you view things, is determined by your relationship with God. It, it really is. Let's turn to John 10. We go through a very, very familiar passage of Scripture, but I tell you, of all the scriptures in the Bible that deals with our relationship with God, I know of none that, that satisfies me personally like this passage of scripture does. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some of the way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. In other words, deep calleth the deep. That simply means that the soul of man hears the voice of God. And there's communication between the inner man and his God. And if you ever reach the place in which prayer is just, it takes discipline. Now, please understand, everybody goes through phases. You may, you may work very hard, or you may get sick, and it's, it's not going to be easy to pray because you can't seemingly focus in. But, uh, you know, everything, as far as your relationship with God goes, it, it, it's contingent upon, uh, upon that personal intimacy with God. Like Jesus said, if thine eye be single, then the whole body is full of light. But if thine eye be not single, then the whole body is full of darkness. Uh, basically what I'm saying is this, that, that the only way that you can stay focused in, that's what he's talking about, is to stay in tune with God, continually talking with God, continually communicating with God. Because there are all kinds of things in the world that will get you. Financial pressure, uh, pressure from peers, uh, uh, going to depression, physical sicknesses, and, 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 and tiredness, uh, uh, fatigue. There, uh, 
there, there are all kinds of things that will come and get you. But as long as you stay focused in on God, all these things are secondary. They are secondary. It doesn't mean that they don't have their proper place or they, they, they're meaningless. That's not it at all. It just simply means that, that your priorities are right. I spend a lot of time in counseling talking to people about priorities. How can you be assured that your priorities are going to continue to stay right? By that close inter or interpersonal relationship with God. It, it has to be that way. It just has to be that way. Now, let's go on. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In other words, he's out there, so to speak, in the deep snow plowing a clear path for us. He's out there in the wilderness pushing all the brush aside. He's out there in the rocky terrain making a nice highway for us. He goes before us. Now, if you want things, if you want the snow to get up to your ears, just get off path. If you want, if you want the, the briars and the brambles and the bushes and everything to become so thick that you can't find your way, just get off path. If you want to climb up in the rocky terrain where you lose your direction or sense of direction, then get off path. Stop following him. John 16, 12. We'll just interject this. Just keep your hand right here on this scripture. Let's go to John 16, verse 12. <clears throat> but I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Do you know that a, a man who is void of the Holy Ghost to talk to him about certain things, you might as well be talking to one of those automobiles out there in the parking lot. Seriously. And every now and then I'll have somebody that gets all rattled about somebody that questions something they're doing as a Christian. And they get flustered because they're not able to properly explain to that person why they do certain things. And they become intimidated by somebody that they can't explain something to you cannot explain the ways of God to a non-praying man to his satisfaction. You can't do that. Now, I'm not saying you're wasting your time. Because I think that, that God comes to a man just in bits and pieces. Precept upon precept, line upon line. And that simply means that if you don't take the time to explain and sometimes explain over and over and over and over and over and over that God really never gets the hook in his jaw, so to speak, so that he can become one of the fold. But, but there are certain things that, you know, you get discouraged about. Don't get discouraged when you're talking to someone that does not understand your language or your line of logic. Jesus calls the wisdom of this world, he calls it foolishness. And, and we'd like to put it like this. Do you think that one of the high school students that, that is in calculus or physics can go into the learning to read center and, and explain what he's doing to those children there understand? They don't even know what the word means, let alone the teaching of it. Why? Because they have not advanced to that stage. And there are a lot of people talking about Jesus that, that they just haven't advanced to the stage that they can understand certain things about God. And, and let me just throw this in. When we're talking about measures and standards, the only way that I can find that scripturally, the only way that I can find that, that, that you, can, you can measure your Christian growth is when you measure your relationship with God. I mean, you can't compare yourself with anybody else, scripturally, can you? And you certainly can't look at all the talents and the abilities that you have and say, well, I'm doing better. And What happens? You, you always get hung up. 
How do you measure your Christian growth? Am I praying? Am I seeking God? Am I constantly in contact with God? Am I letting God really work me over with the Spirit? Am I listening to Him? Am I obedient to Him? Am I following Him? Am I following Scripture? And if you start measuring yourself any other way outside of your relationship with God, you'll either find yourself being very deficient or perhaps on the other end of the spectrum, so to speak, where you get puffed up and think of yourself more highly than what you ought to. But I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot, cannot bear them now. Remember, these disciples were not yet filled with the Holy Ghost. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall speak not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Oh, how important it is to have a walk in the Spirit. I'm in a walk in the Spirit. And sometimes, you know, people measure walk in the Spirit by how much they talk in tongues. You know that? I have known people. Now, I'm serious when I say this. I've known people that have confessed to me, well, I, I haven't been doing much praying. And, 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 and we would, okay, we need to pray. And the moment we start praying, they start speaking in tongues. Now, you may say, well, Brother Grant, I'm not going to judge what they're doing. All I'm saying is that, that they do not have a fair concept. And I use the word fair concept. They're cheating themselves. If that's all they know, and I am not in any way trying to downplay the speaking in tongues, that, that's not what I'm trying to do. I, I, I just believe sometimes that's a cop-out for a lot of people because they don't want to take the time to form words. They just lay on the floor lazy-like and just talk in tongues for a long time. You may say, oh... Well, I, yeah, I said it, and I don't take it back. Now, that doesn't mean every time you hear someone talking in tongues, they're doing that. Because I know better than that. I know better than that. But let's, let's just look, look at Romans 8, verse 1. Let's just, just look at this. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know, what happens is that when people fall into this trap where it's all just basically mouth talk and it doesn't come from the heart, that then what happens is they, they begin to walk after the flesh and not after the Spirit. And when you do this, this horrible feeling of guilt and condemnation comes to you. It comes to you simply because that, uh, you know, we are born of sin. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And when we resort to the things of the flesh, we cannot live without guilt and condemnation. Well, I will take this back. Uh, somebody asked me, said, how do you, how do you remove condemnation? How do you, how do you remove condemnation? Well, I said, one is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the second is just a poor memory. There's some people can do anything and just not think about it and just live, you know, like nothing ever happened. We, we trust that, that that is not the case. But people, people who walk after the, spirit, uh, the flesh, uh, guess what happens? They, they become restless and discontent. Now, I'm just going to... I'm going to hit everybody broadsided with this statement that's guilty. People that, that go around just bad-mouthing everything that's happening and people that have nothing good to say about anybody, you know why they're this way? Because they're not praying and seeking God. Now, I still say this. I say this with all my heart. <laughs> the only way that you can... You know, the Bible even tells us to, to love our enemies. Do you know the secret to loving your enemies is pray passionately for their souls. That's the only way you can love your enemies. 
When the Bible says respect the kings and such, somebody recently said, I have lost all respect for the president. Well, let me ask you this. I, I, I can understand not agreeing with the president. But, but I am saying that the only way that we can, we can hold the office in high esteem and respect the man who holds the office is to pray for him daily like the Bible tells us to. That's the only way you can do it. doesn't mean you're happy about everything he's doing. doesn't mean that at all. And it is also true concerning our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because I'll assure you, if, there, if there's one person in this church that, that gets on a binge, it doesn't make any difference if it's tonight after church or tomorrow or the next week, where, where all they have to do is talk about somebody, I'll, I'll assure you that there's something crossed up in the relationship with God. That doesn't mean you don't recognize bad things. It doesn't mean that you become tolerant of sin. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about that you take on a spirit that enjoys strife. That's what I'm talking about. All right, verse 5 of Romans 8. The conflict of the spirit with the flesh. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. Now that simply means this. If there's somebody praying at the altar and they need the Holy Ghost, and you've got your mind on Pizza Hut more than you've got your mind on them getting the Holy Ghost, you are carnal with a capital C. Now, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I got a little bit quiet there. I didn't mean to scare everybody to death, you know. But you know what happens when you get your mind on the things of the world? You become restless and you stray away. I've noticed this. We had, we, we, since we've been on a ranch, we've had a couple of young foals to be born. And when these foals get away from the, their mothers, the mare will just, she gets a little bit nervous about it, but she'll nicker a little bit, just, <laughs> you know. And uh, Sister Grant can do it better than I can do it. But uh, they'll do that. And the foal will perk up its ears. And <clears throat> every now and then, the, the foal won't listen. Goes goes off, and, and he, he kind of gets disoriented when he gets away from his mother. When he gets nervous or something that's scared him, maybe a loud banging of, of uh, a water trough or something, he'd run up to his mother. And, and the mother would just simply put her muzzle over his neck and just kind of nudge him just above the withers on the neck. And it just seems to be a spot there in which, you know, she'll, it's like she talks with him. and He just calms down. In another place, just the dock of the tail, right where the tail joins the, the hips, right above that, uh, she'll take and just, just rub him. And we found this out, Sister Grant and I, in, in working with the horses. You know, we bring them up here and every now and then all these kids and such, and some of the horses get a little nervous. We just go up there and rub them where their mothers rub them when they were little. Here you got a grown mother, or you you got a great big gilding like my horse Joe. And... Uh, just, just rub him where mom always rubbed him. You know what happens? Invariably, it's just like they wilt. It's like, well, I'm in safe hands now. I'm safe keeping. Isn't that something? And basically, I think what the Scripture is saying in, in, in all this, it, it really makes no difference what you know. It's do you have the, do you possess the ability to stay with God and really, that, that's the important thing. Sometimes Christians get so smart they think they can make it with or without God. You can't. You simply can't. 
So then they that are in the flesh can not please God. Go back to where is Numbers, the third chapter, where uh, these two men, Nadab and Abihu, took strange fire, the Bible says, put it upon the altar of God in the wilderness near Sinai. Now, basically, the fire that was at the altar came down out of heaven when God looked upon the sacrifices that were acceptable. These men, you know, they probably stopped by Pizza Hut and picked up some matches. <clears throat> Decided, well, we don't have to wait on God. We'll just start this fire ourselves. And they got over there someplace behind a rock and, and struck some of those Pizza Hut matches and got, got the fire going and went and put it on the altar and said, now look, with or without God, we're going to have some fire. Now, some Christians are that way. And, and, and yet they think just, just because that they, they get a little bit rowdy in the spirit that they're pleasing to God. Now, whenever I talk about prayer, the language of the soul, I... Trying to get across one point. And that is that, that even though discipline may be necessary sometimes, for the most part, there's got to be something inside of you that longs for your God and pushes those prayers out of you. And you become hungry inside. That's why you get restless, fidgety when you don't pray. And sometimes you think, well, maybe if I just go buy myself a, a new wardrobe or move to a new house or... Maybe stop teaching and do something else in the church. Sometimes we don't know what's happening to us. We don't attribute some of those problems to, to, to our spiritual walk with God. So we just we, we become discontent. And, and oh, how, how important it is for us to feed our souls upon the presence of God. This is the reason why that last night when a lot of people were travailing, it just it did my soul a lot of good because as pastor of the church to hear people crying out to God in earnestness, sincerity, realizing they need God. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ could come back before midnight tonight. I believe the signs of times have been fulfilled to that point. I made mention of this, you know, and uh, my, I was just, Brother Rossing and I were talking, I went in the office and picked up my Bible in the book of Isaiah. You know, it's just, you know, I picked up the paper after all these these uh, peace talks and such, and, and right on the front page of the Madison paper, and it came out in uh, Time Magazine and the U U.S. News, and world reported that they were saying we want to make a super highway all the way from Egypt to Syria, and uh, we want to we want to have a uh, an open communication with these countries so that uh, people can just go back and forth and such. It's prophesied in the book of Isaiah it talks about a highway running out of Egypt all the way to Syria, Assyria. Well, it is now it's known as Syria. I said, man, when you, can, when you can take the paper and you can take Time Magazine and U.S. News and World Report and you can take your Bible and you can open them all and there it is. Oh, my, isn't it is just so, so important that we, we, we just have to abide in the Lord. John 15, Jesus talks about the vine and the branch, except ye abide in me. 
When it gets where prayer is just, oh, another prayer meeting. Oh, it's time to pray. Wish I'd already prayed. How would you, how would some of you girls feel that, that are not married and you're, you're dating? How would you feel if your boyfriend said, boy, I wish I'd already had that date and it was over with? <clears throat> You'd say, what a relationship, huh? Or say, well, we're scheduled to go over to Don and Peggy's for supper tonight. Wish we'd already been there and home. You know, how would you, especially how would they feel if they found out I said that? They'd probably say, oh, I wish he hadn't have come. Because he, he was not looking forward to it. He was not enjoying it. And it really, I, I, I want you to take me serious tonight. we got to take this thing serious because if, if you're not listening to God's voice, it's not going to be some trumpet that falls out of heaven that blasts into your eardrums so loud that you can't miss it. If I'm understanding the scripture correctly, there's going to be a voice that calls your name. And if you don't know the voice of God now, you probably won't know the voice of God then. And probably... Your name will not be called. Scripture alone makes the standard for life and for experience. I, I just want to say this in closing. You know, no standard of living is worth a moment of consideration which leaves prayer out. I said no standard of living is worth a moment of consideration that leaves prayer out. Don't come around telling me what you've been doing for God if you haven't been praying. Because I know if you're doing this for God and you haven't been praying, you're not really doing it for God, you're doing it for other reasons. Except the Lord build the house. He that laboreth, labor in vain. You've got to be doing this for God. And I'll tell you another thing, too. And, and th this will be the best advice that you'll get this month. Everybody ready for this advice? If you don't look at it like this, that you're doing it for God, when, when the crowd gets very slim and you're left doing it alone, you're going to feel cheated. And you're going to get sour. And you're going to get bitter over it. And you'll give up your job. But if you always look at it as if I'm doing this for my God. Because I love Him. And if nobody else does it, I still love Him and I want to do it. Then you'll never feel like you're cheated. Because it's a personal affair with you and your Maker. It makes self-denial, cross-bearing, self-crucifixion much simpler when you're doing it for God. Because there's a cause that comes up in your life that's bigger than your own human cause. I'd hate to know that everything that I'm doing in life that's meaningful, I'm doing it for myself. Because truthfully, I'm not doing much. You know, if you, you think about it, you think, just all of a sudden, just visualize with me your lot where your house is and the clothes that are in your closet and the food that's in your refrigerator and in your freezer and the car that's out in your driveway and the job that you work on. And the, you look, now, if that's the sum total of your life, If that's all you're affecting, if that's the sum total of your life, 
You know why you're so miserable then when, when you can't get ahead in life? Because, see, you're killing the inner man that's crying out. That's where the misery is coming from. Because you can never be happy with that junk. And I say junk only from the standpoint of, I guess, what it really is. Just what it is. We've got to have all that stuff. I'm not trying to tell you not to take care of that. But you see, there's one important doctrine taught in the Bible, and that's justification. In justification, Jesus died for me. But there's another important doctrine that's taught in the Bible. It's the doctrine of sanctification. In sanctification, I die for him. He died for me, so I die for him. I'd like for you to stand. I want to read Romans 12, verse 1, 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To deny oneself, to take up his cross daily, to forsake father and mother, children, spouses, lands, and put God number one is the only way that true contentment can come. It's the only way. Prayer is the language of the soul. I don't know. I feel something inside of me that wants to cry out to God. Let's just take a little time out right here, everybody. Just call on God. Can you do that? I love you, God. I worship you. I praise you, God. Oh, hallelujah. My Jesus, my Jesus, my Jesus. I need you, Lord. I need you, God. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. 
our altar is open. If anyone would like to come and seek God, just step out and come on right now. To our guests who are here, come on and find a place to pray along with everyone else. Oh, bless me now.